Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 25 of the Jetman with a Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? I, uh, I'm pretty wiped out, man. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but... I had a great cup of coffee, and uh, it's pretty nice out, and I took a long hot shower, and I'm feeling, I think, about as rejuvenated as I can be, uh, given the circumstances, which we're actually about to talk about, so I'll just talk about it in a second. Yes, well, and also, if you really need a, a nice energetic shot in the arm, there's nothing, nothing. like episode 25 of Jojen Sentai Jetman called <laughs> The Laughing Shadow People. But, Dave, before we do that, uh, first... Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, first star of the week, Matt, is uh, why I'm so wiped out, is that I have been pulling uh, 14-hour days for the last week and a half, give or take, at work. Uh, Not not for nothing, not, you know, but uh, as you know... Right. As you know, Matt, uh, I teach, and I'm sure our listeners know, I teach high school, and I also teach high school theater. That's like my... That's my thing. And uh, it's show week this week. And show week is just always like flat out crazy. Um, It's like the last, all the last stuff. It's like running lines and doing all these things and like assembling like all the last minute stuff. Um, Yeah. So I've been going super crazy this week. But I think... It's it came together, man. Well, it came to together barely. Like I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so the show <laughs> we're doing is called. <laughs> so the show we're doing is called Fences. Uh, it's by August Wilson, one of the great playwrights of the 20th century. Uh, and he wrote a whole series of plays. There's ten of them. It's called the Pittsburgh Cycle. And the whole thing is about the experience of like being African-American in America in the 20th century, right? Right. Uh, fascinating. Like, just super, super good plays. And uh, I've been sort of... The school I work at is predominantly African-American. And so I've been sort of um, shepherding? Cultivating. Cultivating is a better word. I've sort of been cultivating actors over the course of the last couple of years, thinking maybe, maybe we could do this show. Because it's... Like, dude, it's a super intense show. Yeah, this is uh, not like, like a, a show that you do in the first year of your theater program. Yeah, no, 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 man. Uh, this is like, this is like uh, not a comedy. At all. Like, there's some funny moments, but it's like a super, super intense drama. Like, there's a dude and he cheats on his wife and his son, like, gets kicked out of the house. Like, it's real crazy. So, uh, so we, we've been working on this show and it's definitely the, like the most challenging show uh, I've ever directed, and that the, the the kids have ever been in. But it came together, man. Um, well, that's awesome. You know, they're still, yeah, yeah, they're still working. Like, I hate to say that they're still working on it because sh- we're doing the show right now. Um, but they are still kind of learning their lines because it's a long play. It's like three hours long. Oh wow. Yeah, I did not actually quite realize it was that <laughs> it was that long when we decided to do it. Um, but no joke, my my technical director Keith, who is just a wizard at his job, was like screwing the last piece of the set on behind the curtains, like as I was out front announcing to the audience <laughs> that we were about to get started. Like I'm saying, like welcome to the show, and he's like in the back with a screwdriver, a drill. Like bolting on this last piece. That and is he, amazing. Like, cleared. He was like walking off with the curtain. It was crazy. Um, but tonight's the last night. Tonight is the last night of the show. And uh, like, even though I have to go back to work next week, it always kind of feels like I'm on vacation when a show is over. <laughs> right, because you were back to regular hours and not like working double time every day. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah. But I'm so that's why I'm pretty wiped out. But I am here, 
uh, here for this for this thing. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm rambling now. Just roll with it, man. Okay. I'm. Uh, I got pants on today, and that's about as good as it's that, gonna get. That is a for another little bit. <laughs> So what, man, is uh, what's our second star of the week? Well, Dave, for our second star of the week, I thought that since you're a little fried, I would talk about something uh, from way back in the day that we both knew about and are nostalgic for, uh, so you would not have to like figure anything new out. Um, Dave, can we that. talk for a minute about the Marvel Comics collectible card game, Overpower? Ooh, can we? Yeah, we can. I don't know if... Can you and I talk about it like in, in an educated way? Because we never really played that game. Okay, here's the here's the thing, listeners. You've got to understand something about Overpower. Is that when Dave says we never really played the game, he doesn't mean that we did not have like decks and like sit together and play all the time. Because we oh, yeah, absolutely we did, did that. that. I don't know how much money I sunk into that game, but it was enough that I decided I was never going to get into another CCG. Yeah, I have held strong on that, actually. I still don't play CCGs. Um, and, you know, I have, you know, decks from way back in the day. I've still got all of my cards, which is why I'm bringing this up, because I found the, my box of cards. Oh, <laughs> nice. Uh, and I was sort of going through them, reminiscing. But the thing is that when we played Overpower, like, we read the rules maybe once. Oh, And dude. we decided that those rules were lame and that we were going to make up our own. But at the time... We were in, like, elementary school, maybe middle school. Maybe, yeah, man, maybe middle school. At least when we first started playing it. Yeah, my understanding of game design was, like, pretty limited at that time. See, here's, here's what I wanted out of that game. What I wanted was to have cards with all of my favorite superheroes and to be able to use all of the cards that use their superpowers as many times as possible and to show my friends what cool cards I had gotten from the packs that we bought. Yes, that is not how those games work. No, the game actually wants you to like fulfill objectives and so forth and actually be able to finish a game in less than eight hours. Because I'll tell you, once we started playing with our house rules, which I will explain in a moment, um, like I don't, I don't think know, we ever dude, we finished the game. We never finished games, ever. So the way that Overpower worked was this, is you had, uh, you had, it was like two teams of superheroes facing off against each other. You right. had four characters each three were on the front line and one was in reserve so like you know when one of your characters died you moved up your reserve character all right right and there was different ways to attack each other and there was a sort of like back and forth where it's an attack and defense um and you had the cards that were in your hand and you were also able to place cards down on your characters on the table right yeah now but the way that the game actually works is you're not allowed to have duplicate cards in your hand, and that counts the cards that are on the table held on the characters, right? I think, dude. It's no, I, been... I just reread the rules the other oh. day, and like the <laughs> okay. game that they wanted us to play and the game that we played are so dissimilar that like I I was going to sit down like, oh, I'll put together a deck. This will be fun. And then I read the rules and realized that I have no idea how to put together a deck for a game that I spent hours of my life, like days of my life playing. <laughs> you, know, you know what's amazing is in all of that time, all of the time where we like never finished a game, it was like weird and bizarre, never did we question our decision to abandon the rules. Yeah, because like we did like, never, crazy things. It never, yeah, it never even occurred to us. Like maybe we should just play the game that they actually designed. Not once. Uh, so here were the things that we did. It, this is a one-on-one game, uh, yep. and we very often would turn it into a triple threat match, yeah. <laughs> uh, where it's just it's three like people WWE going at each style. other at the same time. Yep. Um, instead uh, of four characters with three in the front and one in the reserve, we had five characters, three in the front and two in reserve. Yeah. Uh, I think we did not put any limits on how many cards you could have ever. Yeah, and that's not just to say how many cards could be in your deck. That is how many cards could be uh, in your hand. So we would just have, like, whole decks of cards, like, placed on the characters. So that anytime anyone would ever attack, the reason the game never ended is because you had basically an unlimited number of cards with which to defend. Yeah. It uh, made the game completely unworkable. 
But, like, the weird thing is, is I still loved playing it. Yeah. Now I want to go back and, like, I actually also know where my cards are. Just I, re- I moved semi-recently, so there was a lot of, like, unpacking stuff and, like, deciding if we wanted to keep it and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so I actually do know where my cards are. I kind of want to go put a deck together. Like, so we could play sometime. Dude, maybe next weekend, when you are, like, done with the show, we can get together and, like, have an overpowered afternoon. Because... Yes, we should, uh... Yeah, we and should I know that. we say that we're going to do things a lot on this show, then as soon as we turn off the microphones, we forgot that we've said them. But we should actually do it this time. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll have to remember that. Because I'm going to be real. I'm not going to I'm not gonna remember, man. I'm, when we finish this, I basically have to go buy more concessions and then get down to the theater. But uh, yeah, Overpower sounds like a lot of fun. We should do that. Yeah, just, you know, don't bring that weak sauce Doc Samson deck you built. Oh, Doc Samson. <laughs> Doc Samson. I love the character of Doc Samson. Uh, Doc Samson in Overpower was like such a junk character. And he was in every single like booster pack you would buy. Yeah, no joke. Like, I'd, again, I don't play other CCGs, but if there's, like, a real stupid card that everyone hates but is everywhere, that's Doc Samson. Uh, he's the worst, and it was super dumb. Anyway. And I, when one time, like, just trying to ride the wave, I decided I was going to build a deck with nothing but Doc Samson. Just four Doc Samsons all in a row. Uh, I don't think it worked out super well. Well, no, it was terrible, but it was a fun <laughs> idea. <laughs> anyway, Dave, so what is our third star of the week? Oh, so our third star of the week, Matt, is uh, the latest milestone in my never-ending quest to become an old man. Sure, sure. Which is, I think I'm a cologne guy now. Really? Yeah. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't sure about it, right? But over the course of 2015, I've been trying to up my game, right? Now we're in 2016. I'm still trying to up my game. So uh, a big focus of my game upping has been sort of like a personal style, right? Mm-hmm. Like I grew up in the 90s, which means that I'm real dedicated for a large part of my life for to like schlumpy jeans and t-shirts, right? Sure, that, that is a hard, hard pattern to break. Yeah, uh, but I've been working on it. I've been working on it. And I thought a couple of months ago, like this has been a process for me, man. But uh, I thought a couple of months ago, I was like, maybe, maybe I should try wearing some cologne. Like, maybe that would be a cool thing. But I didn't want to... But I hate I hate the cologne section of, uh, of every department store. Like, it's the worst. Oh, sure. Yeah, like, that, it's awful. It, like, gives me headaches, blah, blah, blah. But uh, you may recall me mentioning at some point in the past that there's a dude, his name is Christopher Brosius, uh, and he's like an artisanal perfumer, right? Perfumier? I don't know. Uh, and I've bought some of his stuff for my wife, Beth, and it's great. And I was like, man, he also makes, like, you know, colognes. Uh, maybe I should, maybe I should give this a shot. Maybe I'm a, maybe I'm going to try and be a cologne guy. And so I asked for some for Christmas and Beth got me some and I've been wearing it and, uh, it's pretty rad, dude. Like, like I think I'm a cologne guy now. So the one that she got me is like, uh, it's incense right? Okay. Yeah. But it's like six different incenses. I don't really know incense I'm not, I like, I don't know the terms, but. It's I was like going to say, I'm neither incense, a cologne right? guy nor an incense guy, so I am not going to be much help to you <laughs> right. here. But it's like different, it's like different uh, varieties, I guess, of incense, and they're sort of blended together, and, uh, and it just smells like it smells really, really good. But it's like, it's really good perfume, so it's not like blasting you in the face, it's just a little bit, and you know, so like I smell it, and if you're sort of close to me, you would smell it. And it sort of changes. This is cool. It sort of changes scent over the course of the day as it oh. sort of like seeps, seeps into your skin and like the body heat sort of changes it up. Like I know I sound like a commercial, but uh, but yeah, I was just, I was like, yeah, man, I can see why people I can see why people over the last you know all of recorded human history have uh, have tried some cologne to make themselves smell nice. It's really nice. <laughs> Fancy that. So, All of recorded history had something going for them. <laughs> right. Who knew? Yeah, so I think I'm a cologne guy now. Uh, that's really it. But you should try it. Get, get yourself some cologne. I've got, actually, if you want, well, no, you can't have it. But get yourself some cologne. You can get, like, he does little testers, this dude. And so they're pretty cheap. They're like 15, 20 bucks. 
and you can sort of uh, you can give it a shot. You can you can see if you're a cologne guy. All right. Well, it, it, I mean, it is 2016. It's 2016, man. Up your game. I'm not disinterested in upping my game. Well, listen, here's what I'm thinking. Here's my game-upping focus for 2016. I'm going to try and up my game in, like, uh, in unexpected ways. My game-upping strategy is to try and think about doing things that I've never considered before. Like, oh, I'm not, like, I don't wear cologne. I'm not a cologne guy. It's like, I don't know, maybe I am a cologne guy. Let's give it a shot. Turns out I think I might be a cologne guy. So uh, I'm maybe trying, like, lateral game-upping. Okay. I can yeah. dig it. I can dig it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, what's the uh, first star of the week, man? So, the first star of the week is that a couple of days ago, I went to go see a movie. Okay. And it was right after work, so I decided to go by myself. And, like, I really like to go see movies by myself. I also like to go see movies by myself. I also like to go out to eat by myself. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, going like out, going especially, out to like, to a diner for breakfast or an early lunch by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, like, I used to see people eating alone in restaurants and be like, oh, that's kind of sad. But then I, I do it every once I don't do it as much now because I'm married. But sure. uh, every once in a while, I go out to eat by myself. I'm like, this is kind of great. I'm not a big dinner by myself guy. But, like, breakfast or lunch by myself, love it. But yeah, I also really nice, like man. going to the theater by myself. Um, like, when I saw Spectre, I saw it by myself. One of the three times I saw Star Wars, I saw it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was right after work the other day. And it wasn't a new movie. They were showing The Sting. Dang, that movie is so good. Which, listeners, if you've never seen The Sting, The Sting is like... Okay, oh my gosh. Imagine that Ocean's Eleven was made uh-huh, yeah. in the 70s, but set in the 30s. And instead of being about a big heist, it was about like a bunch of con men doing a, like a, the big con. The big, the long con, the big con. No, it's the big con. Yeah, not the long con. But the big con. Stars Robert Redford. Paul Newman. Yeah. I think this was like just after Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So like that era of their careers. Yeah. And the whole thing is like this great sort of period piece. It's made to look like an old movie. The the soundtrack is all this great Scott Joplin ragtime music. The Sting is an amazing movie if you've never seen it. Or if yeah, it's been a it's long like, time since you've seen it, it's right. It's tough to talk about because it's a like because it's like a con slash heist movie. It's all about the sort of twists and turns of of what's happening. Oh yeah, it's all about the twist. It's almost impossible to tell you about the movie. So that's that's all I'm going to say. But let me tell you about my experience going to see this movie because I went right after work by myself, as I have right. previously mentioned. Um, and according to like the Facebook, uh, calendar event that the theater had put out, cause this is like a smaller theater. So they do like, uh-huh. they just put stuff up on Facebook like this. Cool. Um, they said, okay, the, like, you know, arrive at six, but I stopped reading after that. And I arrived at six precisely. Turns okay. out the movie did not start at six. The movie started at seven at six was the cocktail hour. What? Because it's like, you know, it's this fun little theater. So, you know, you show up early. They've got some people like, you know, selling cocktails. I got a Chipotle Bloody Mary. They were also selling some sort of like pomegranate gimlet. Mm. Anyway. Sounds, hmm. It was delightful. I would would drink a pomegranate gimlet. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, There was a restaurant down the street, Toast, that came over and they were serving like appetizers, like duck roulette with uh, like uh, pickled red onion on some like little... Like, toast bits. Delicious. Ooh. How, okay, have you ever been to toast, by the way? Never have. That is the first time I've had their food. Yeah, I keep meaning to go out. Do you know who the head chef is over there? Yeah, it's our old housemate. Yeah, not that we were, like, super close, but it is fun. Uh, Yeah, I keep meaning to get out there, so I'm glad to hear that it's good. Yeah, it was delicious. But the problem so was, anyways. like, you know, it took all of ten minutes to, uh, like, eat a little appetizer and drink a little sort of half cocktail that they were handing out. And then I uh-huh. realized... That I was just standing in the lobby of the theater by myself for an hour. Ooh. And, like, there is, there is a limit to the amount of time that you can stare at your phone and pretend that you are, like, busy. Yeah. Because after mm. a while, like, once you've checked all of the things, and it is pretty clear that you are not, like, standing near the door looking out of it waiting for someone, you are just the guy who is alone in a movie theater, which... 
in the theater itself is fine, but just milling around an old theater lobby with an empty glass is not, like, a super cool move. (laughs) Did you at least have the option to, like, fill the rest of that time with pomegranate gimlets? Well, honestly, what I ended up doing was there was a bar across the street. And I thought that I could, I would just go there for the remaining 45 minutes. Uh, Because at least there, if you're, like, alone at the bar, like, looking at your phone with a beer. Yeah, that's fine. That's more... There's a lot of people there doing that. Yeah, that's totally it. Not just like the one guy in the theater. <laughs> that one weird ranto. Um, and also, as it turns out, if you go to see The Sting in the theater, um, and you are under the age of, I'm going to say, 42, you might be the youngest person there. Oh. Uh, I, I, I was not running being... into a lot of my like around-the-town acquaintances. Yeah, dude, I love being the youngest person in a room, uh, particularly at a function like that, because in my heart, what I think is that like all the other, like all the oldsters, like look at me and are just like, that kid gets it. I'm 33, but they're just like, that kid gets it. It's like when I am doing something that I like that teenagers generally don't and a teenager shows up and I'm like, all right, kid, like this kid gets it. He knows what's up. And then I think that kid is cool, so I think those old people think that I'm cool. Yeah, so, anyway. The Sting is an amazing movie. Uh, yeah. Go see it if you ever have the chance. It might be on Netflix. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It might be on Amazon Prime, actually. But uh, take this... I mean, whatever. If nothing else, it's take available. this as a cautionary tale to read the entire calendar event before you show up an hour <laughs> early to a thing. Uh, Dave, what is our final star of the week? So our fifth star of the week, Matt, is I'm actually not going to be able to go, unfortunately, but in Cleveland, uh, this weekend is the Wizard World Con. Okay. So, which is pretty rad. Like I'm kind of stuck. Like I haven't been able to get out because I feel like it's only been in Cleveland for two years. I think. Yeah. This is the second year. Yeah. And I've been like super, I think both weekends have been show weekends actually. Maybe. I don't As know. I happened. didn't go last year, but I am going this year. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'm going with an old roommate. But the the weird thing about Wizard World Con is like, I don't really know what to expect, right? Because it's not like I'm going to like New York Comic Con or like San Diego or C2E2 or something. Like, I'm not going to a big con where there's going to be panels and you know announcements and stuff i feel like i'm just paying to go to a big room where some famous people are and like i might see them but i know if i had paid an extra like 75 dollars i could have had a meet and greet with jason david frank um and listen i would be excited to meet that dude but i'm not gonna pay 75 dollars to chill with tommy for half an hour Ooh. Man, that would have been a heck of a star, though. It would, that would have been. been. I, I honestly, I thought about doing it just for the star, and then I realized that we don't get paid for this podcast. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, I guess this is more of a preview star. I will let you know what it was like uh, next week, but that is what is going on for me this weekend. Dave, no, I think that's going to do it for the five stars this week. Uh, Let's do it. Let's take a break. Let's watch episode 25, The Laughing Shadow People, and we will be right back. Welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 25 of Jetman, The Laughing Shadow People. Dave, why don't you tell me what we just saw? Okay, so this episode sees the introduction of the biodimensional beasts, uh, which Matt has mentioned before, but uh, are a new breed a new breed of monster that combines an animal with a sort of more standard inanimate object style dimension monster. So we'll see what that is. Um, And this one is light based. We'll explain exactly what it is in a minute, Uh, but it creates like living shadows. And so the Jetmen have to fight their own nega Jetmen, I guess. Yeah, dude, this one is awesome. So Matt, so before we actually get into the episode, uh, you know, I was thinking about this as we were starting this episode that I'm kind of stoked. Like, I like the multi-part episodes, but I'm kind of jazzed when they're done, if that makes sense. Like, I really like getting back to 
the sort of like, here's a monster, here's the new crazy thing. Really, you know what it is, Matt? Is that the multi-part episodes do not feed my endless hunger for uh, crazy monsters? Yeah, that's the thing, is the multi-parter is usually, it's one monster throughout the whole thing, and sometimes it's not even really a monster. Like, sometimes it's kind of just the Viram commanders. And they're a little, like, they're just not as interesting. Not that they're not super cool, because they are, but, uh, like, I've got a fever, man, and the only cure is dimensional beasts. Like, I just need a new one all the time. (laughs) Like, I've got a hunger feed. Right. Now we're in the biodimensional beats. And guys, we will discuss this a little later on in the episode once they appear. Well, I guess we're actually just about to discuss it. Yeah, but like, we're about is, to do it. Like, the jump from dimensional beasts to biodimensional beasts is like the jump from Mega Man to Mega Man X. That's what I have in my notes. They like, just that says, is exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because awesome. before it was like, hey, here is an evil plane. Here is an evil faucet but now everything is that plus an animal uh yeah so we'll talk about it in a second i also noticed that uh they changed the opening of the show they changed just a little bit yeah to include jet garuda which is cool well this is i mean this is episode 25 the show runs 51 episodes we are at the halfway point wow that's crazy i know it is uh, okay, man. So, let's actually get started in this episode. We open up on the Viron Dimension, and we see Maria in front of, like, a... It's like a glowy orb thing, and she's, like, meditating or, like, concentrating is what it looks like. Yeah, she's like doing she's like, some she's focusing her thing with it. Yeah. Um, and then we just see, a like, pictures of animals start flashing in this orb, right? And it, and then you would think that, like... Because what she's about to do is she is about to, like, zap this animal energy into this sort of, like, hive from which the dimensional uh, bugs come out of, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Matt, um, how does she get this animal energy? Like, where does it come from? Dimensions? Yeah. Yeah, who knows? No explanation. No. Oh, zero no. explanation. Wait, okay, check it out. I've got it. I got it. Okay. Okay. So, in 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 Earth, in like Trojan Set Sentai Jetman Iverse, right? Clearly, the most powerful animal energy is like a bird energy, right? That's why we've got birdonic right. waves and the jetman. Oh, okay. Okay. The Virum are dimension hoppers. So maybe, this is what I'm going with, Maria is pulling, like, the most powerful animal rays, like, other, like, we have birdonic waves here, other dimensions would have, like, cheetonic waves, because cheetahs are what's cool there, and so they've conquered those dimensions, and she is using that energy to create the biodimensional beasts. Okay, okay, I can dig it, because the biodimensional beasts are significantly stronger than the dimensional beasts. Right, because they're like a dimensional beast that's also a Jetman. Okay, kind of. you know, that makes a kind of sense. Yes! Nailing! And what's great about this is that you're seeing this globe with all these pictures of animals flash up, <laughs> and you would think that the animals that they had chosen would all be like, lions and snakes and, you know, like, things right. that well, are okay. dangerous. So you've got a lion. It's like, all right, yeah, a lion, that makes sense. Then a cheetah. You're like, all right, cool, like, super speed or whatever. Uh, then a moose. But, like, moose I mean, are pretty scary. Like, they're a giant animal. I mean, they're tough. Yeah. And then you get, like, a panda. Like, okay. And a horse. And, like, it just starts getting, like, less and less threatening. And uh, it just becomes, like, a lovely day at the zoo. Right. And then I think it finishes with a rabbit. And it then absolutely does. Because then all of the animal energies from this orb sort of become... It's just, they have to, like, animate, like, a little cartoon energy version of it flying from that into the dimensional bug hive. Okay. Actually, Matt... This continue. This strengthens my theory, I think, because if Maria were just picking animals, she would just pick, like, sharks and bears and tigers and snakes. But if what she's doing is just channeling whatever, like, super 
animal energy from dimensions they've already conquered, she's kind of just got to use what she has, right? Which is why One of the dimensions that they have conquered, the most powerful animal energy comes from the armadillo. Yup. And we are about to see it right now. No, wait, not quite. Not quite. Because we have a super cool scene here. Um, So Radigat walks up. And he's like, what exactly are you doing? And Maria says, these are bio-dimensional beasts. Like, they'll be even more powerful. And uh, Radigat is like, yeah, whatever. And Maria throws some real strong shade. And she says, like, you're not powerful enough to control them. You couldn't even master Semimaru. Yeah, because Radigat wants to get his hand on one of these things. Yeah. And Maria's like, no, 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 buddy. Which like, is a, back off. This is my deal. You already screwed up your thing. Yeah, it's a little bit weird the way that she says it, though, because she's like, you weren't strong enough to master Semimaru. It's like, dude, Semimaru is like the ultimate devil of destruction. Um, well, okay, that that is what Radigat said. But you, but And everyone kind of agreed with him. But do you kind of feel like Radigat was really hyping up <laughs> Semimaru a little overmuch? Um, I mean, dude, it took... Jet Garuda and Jet Icarus to take him down. So, like, not not too, too much. Like, Semimaru is definitely the biggest threat they've faced. But, Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, in, in any case, Maria uses it to throw some pretty harsh shade at him. Yeah. Uh, Radigan, of course, is furious. So he just whips out that crazy sword that he has and goes to attack her. But, but. Gray steps in. So the sword is, like, mid-swing, and Gray just reaches out and grabs it. Because, you know, he's got, like, a crazy robot hand. Yes. Uh, but then he bleeds? Bleeds robo-blood? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to be, like, oil or something. And he just, like, stands there and, like, st- and he's not staring because he's got, like, featureless robo-eyes. But you can tell he's, like, staring down Radigat. And Radigat breaks. He's just like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm out of here. And he leaves. And then Maria, like, binds up Gray's hand. Like, she has a handkerchief? I don't know where she got that from. Yeah, some sort of a handkerchief or yeah. scarf or something. But she wraps up Gray's hand as though he's, like, a living person and it's bleeding. Yeah, so, and then, like, it needs to be bandaged. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, but so we, we go away from there, and she sort of dimension tosses her biodimensional bug, and it lands on stadium lighting. Yes, and now they have created Light Armadillo. Which is, so, uh, it's basically like a big armadillo man with, like, a spotlight in its chest. Yeah, it's, it looks, like like I said, this guy looks exactly like a Mega Man X monster. Right, well, except he's not a robot. But other well, than that's that, true. Like, this is like the bio, this is like the organic version of a Mega Man X monster boss. Robot Master? Robot Master, right? Robot Master, there you go. Uh, dang, man, those games are so cool. I really, really like Mega Man. Not as much as Producer Mark. I don't uh, know. I don't know a human alive who likes Mega Man as much as Producer Mark does. Right, like, they exist, I'm sure, but, like, I don't know them personally. Uh, so, so this... Light Armadillo immediately starts showing us what makes him so awesome. So, we cut to... A couple, and they are jogging, and, like, the guy is struggling to keep up with the girl, and he sort of stops to catch his breath for a minute. Light Armadillo hops out and zaps the whole group with the spotlight that's in his chest. Yeah, because there's, like, other people on this path, right? Uh, And so when he zaps them with this beam, uh, like, a sort of pink shadow comes out from them and then brings their shadow to life. And everything that the person does, the shadow uh, mirrors it. And so we are treated to some, actually, some really excellent physical acting. Yeah, it's really fun. Because, like, the guy who had been jogging now is staring down this dude who is dressed in, like, this all-black, like, body sock costume. Yeah. with uh, That is wearing, like, a jogging costume over it. Right. This is the coolest part, is that it's not just, like, a, a black shadow, like, bodysuit. It's a black shadow bodysuit, and then over that, all of the shadows are just wearing black versions of whatever the person is actually wearing. So it's, like, this perfect copy. Um, and, dude, these guys are not messing around with their mime. Like, they are perfectly in sync. It's... 
It's really cool. It's very cool, especially when the camera zooms out in a minute and you see like everyone who was on this path who all got zapped, they're all doing this sort of like mirrored motion at the same time. Yeah. Like, throughout which, the episode as we see it, it is very impressive. Yeah. Uh, let me just like, so this is actually an improv game, Matt. Like this is a theater game that people play to oh, really? learn. Yeah. It's to learn like physical mirroring and how to like respond to other people. Uh, you know, with body language when you're on stage, and it is a lot harder than you would think it would be. And, uh, like, the speed and rapidity with which they're doing that, like, I was just watching it and exhibiting a lot of, like, professional appreciation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, they're kind of doing this, and the people obviously are freaking out because they're being mirrored by living shadows. Uh, And then the Jetman attack. Right, Ryu just sort of, like, hops out of nowhere. Like, one moment, Light Armadillo is just watching this happen, and then the next moment, Ryu is jumping and punching him. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this. Is there any reason that it's an armadillo? Like, can you think of anything? Because I couldn't. No, I don't think so. I think, honestly, at this point, they've just started putting in, like, like some of his attacks later in the, like, as we watch the episode are oh, yeah. armadillo-based. But there's no, like, correlation between light and armadillos, so far as I know. Well, that's what I was wondering, is that if we were going to see, like, if I was going to do a light monster, I might do, like, a lightning bug or, like, a shiny fish or something. And they're just like, ah, it's an armadillo. So I was wondering when we saw the biodimensional beast if there was going to be any, like, I don't know, synergy maybe between, like, the object and the animal. And it appears that the answer is absolutely not. Nah, dude, wait till you see the one next week. Next (laughs) week is one of my favorites. Oh, dude, speaking of animals and Super Sentai, we have got to watch the new Super Sentai show. I know. I meant to watch one or two episodes so we could talk about it on the five stars this week, but I completely forgot. Uh, <laughs> but let, let's talk about the show that we'll talk, we okay, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Uh, so, Ryu attack, the Jetmen attack, uh, you know, like the other Jetmen arrive. And well, not all of them. Guy is missing. Oh, that's missing. right. Yeah, sorry. Guy is missing. So, the light armadillo, like, rolls into a ball, like armadillos do, and he has, like, a, like a rolly ball attack for lack of a better way to say yeah, it. Yeah, he just sort of turns into a ball and, like, rolls into people. You know, I am... I was So I'm watching Light Armadillo, like, run around the screen, and I'm always super impressed by just how well they move in those giant suits. Like, oh, yeah, that has got to be, like, super difficult and also very super, like, specialized work. Yeah, like, they're just... It's, like, okay, so I've built some big costumes for LARP. Like, nothing, nothing on the scale of Light Armadillo. Like, don't... Don't overestimate me here. But, like, I've built some, like, big, bulky costumes, uh, you know, for, like, giant swamp monsters and stuff. And, yeah. uh, like, they are not easy to move in. And so, like, the fact that this dude is, like, doing, like, somersaults and, like, jumping around is super impressive. And I've actually never thought about it before, but, like, Light Armadillo is, I feel like, sort of particularly acrobatic, maybe? Maybe and also, just... like, extremely bulky. Yeah, he's just... He, cause, and it looks super cool, because he just looks like a giant anthropomorphic armadillo, which is rad. Well, he looks like a giant anthropomorphic armadillo with a spotlight in his chest. Oh, yeah, sorry. I assumed the spotlight was a given. Uh, okay, so they're like, where's Guy? Guy's not here. We jump over to where Guy is, and I have no idea how to categorize what's happening. Uh, so it's a pool... And it just seems like to be a public pool, but Guy is sitting poolside, playing cards with like a playboy, like a girl in like a playboy bunny outfit. Yeah, like in like a very specifically, like they are wearing like that kind of like one piece, like swimsuit looking thing. thing. They with- have the headband with the bunny ears. Yeah. And then. There are two of them, and he's just like. Chilling, playing poker. He's yeah. got a good hand. Yeah, he's got like a royal flush. I like. I have no idea. Like, there's. N- I have no idea what's happening. Because like, like, I don't know what, why he's what there. It looks like if you just look at guy, is like, oh, he is at some sort of like club. Yeah, like some sort of private thing. But when the camera pans back, like, it's just like the local public pool. Yeah, like, he just kids bring there. these women with him. I, I, that's the only thing we can assume, is that just Guy rolls with... Uh, dude, 
I have no idea. Um, so, guy is just playing poker. Uh, like, one of the girls brought him a drink. And then, like, two other people, like, run over being mirrored by their own shadows and, like, freaking out. And uh, they, like, run over and they're calling for Guy to help them. So, like, whoever they are, like, I think they know who he is. But it's not the Playboy Bunnies. It's just, like, two other girls. Uh, and he's like, what's going on? And then he has to, like, drop his cards and he's upset about that. Uh, and then we, we just leave there and we go back to the fight with the Jetman and Light Armadillo. This so- is where things get... Awesome. Yeah. So what happens is they're trying to fight Light Armadillo, but they haven't uh, cross-changed yet, and they are losing. And they're saying, like, wow, like this dude is way more powerful than any of the other dimensional beasts. I yeah. do not know what is happening with this guy, but it is time to cross-change. Also, where is Guy? We should call him. Yeah, definitely. So they do – so they try to, like, you know, get a hold of him, which they are not actually able to do. Uh, but they're like, listen, we've got to cross-change. Like, we can't wait for Guy. So they cross-change – and Maria kind of steps out from behind a tree, and she's like, yes, now, like, late Armadillo, do it. So this is rad, because she has been waiting for this to happen. Like, she's been waiting for the Jetmen to cross-change to enact stage two of her plan. Right, because now, when they get zapped by late Armadillo's beam, they're not just the shadows of themselves as people, but they become shadow Jetmen. Yes, uh, this is rad because, again, they're like perfect copies of the Jetmen, just all in black. Like, they have black wing gauntlets, they have black bringer swords, like black Jetmen helmets, uh, black bird blasters. It's rad because, like, they so, just went and got all of the props and redid them in, like, all in black. It looks super, super cool. It's rad. So, like, they start to fight, but... Again, like, their movements are perfectly mirrored, and so uh, it's a complete stalemate. Like, they cannot hit these dudes, or at least they can't hit them any more than they themselves are getting hit. Right, and they're actually, like, they're doing some cool stuff, because they're, like, ending up punching each other's fists, and, like, trying to flip each other, and it's, like, not working. Uh, Akko and Shadow Akko are doing gymnastics at each other. Right, and they're doing them in, like, uh, they have them both on screen at the same time, but they're just doing these same moves in sync, but backwards. Uh, It's really neat. And so they're just like, dude, we can't can't beat them. We're not sure. And then Ryu just says, well, they're copying us exactly. Everyone changed their attack style. Uh... And then they do kind of the same things again, but this time they manage to land some hits on the Shadow Jetmen. Uh, well, what's weird is that, like, so Ryu and Kaori do a jump kick, and they hit two of the Shadow Jetmen. And at this point, I'm not sure which ones they're attacking. Yeah. But when they hit those Shadow Jetmen, um, Raita and Akko fall over. Yes. So now we get the idea that somehow... The shadows and the people are, like, they're linked in some way. Like, we're not exactly sure what's going on. So Maria steps out, and she's like, ha, 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 ha. Humans with their shadows removed start to die. Because, sure. Uh, And then she says, the shadow starts to drain the energy away from the human. And eventually, like, the human will be dead and all of that life energy will be in the living shadow. And she says, the faster you move, the quicker you will die. I I don't know why that's part of it, but whatever. Uh, And then, because the shadows are stealing power from the jet men, they start to get some color. Yeah, so, like, instead of just having an all-black costume, like, their helmets become... Like, half black and half, like, the color of the Jetman's helmet. I think... And so it's this very cool... It looks like the Jetman made, like, stealth costumes, and that's what these dudes are wearing. Yeah, it's their same costumes. They're just, like, where the Jetman are, like, blue and white over their, uh, like, over their regular costumes. These dudes are just black. Yeah, so it's, like, stealth Jetman slash, like, alternate dimension evil goatee Jetman. Exactly. It's... They look awesome. They actually, they actually look a lot cooler than the Jetmen, I think. They kind of do. Yeah, Although I know. we say that a lot, and I think that part of it might just be that we see the Jetmen every week, and this is like an exciting new costume. Yeah, that make, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense, because the Jetmen do look fairly cool. Uh, so they're just like, listen, we got a fire bazooka. Like, just get the fire bazooka. It's our only shot. 
And I think it's Akko who says, like, no, it won't work because we don't have enough power because Guy isn't here. And Ryu's like, no, like, just do it anyways. Yeah, because basically what has now happened is that when they got the color, right, that was an indication that they had stolen enough power from the Jetmen that now they are able to act independently. Yeah, so, so it's the not shadows... just them mirroring things. They are now just like a team of evil Jetmen acting independently. So now they really need to put them down. They don't have enough strength, but Ryu says, listen, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But, but this like... is our only chance to do it either way. So yeah. let's use the Jet Striker. So they they go for it, uh, and it is it looks like it's about to hit, but Light Armadillo jumps in the way and kind of turns his back so his shell is facing them, and it bounces off of his shell. Now, finally, Guy arrives uh, because, oh, I'm sorry, we forgot to mention this before, but Guy did get like an alert on his cross changer while he was at the pool. So he arrives. Uh, he did take the time to change, however. Like when he was at the pool, he was just in all white. And when he arrives here on his motorcycle, oh, yeah, he's in his standard. That. Yeah, he's in his like standard guy outfit. Uh, <laughs> I just really like the conceit. The guy's like, I did get this urgent message, but I also have a style and image to maintain. So right, I'm not priorities, gonna wear my pool guys. Close to the fight, right? <laughs> so, so he arrives, and uh, but it's too late. He's not. He hasn't gotten there in time. And the shadow jetmen like run over, and they do like they pull their bring their dark bringer swords out. And wow, dark bringer sword sounds way cooler than just bringer sword. Uh, anyways, so they pull out their Darkbringer swords and they are doing like a leaping, stabby attack at the Jetmen when clouds come in, co- in front of the sun. And the, and the Shadow s- Jetmen disappear because the Shadow Jetmen are shadows, right? So they can only exist in direct sunlight. Once the sun goes behind a cloud, the shadows just fade away. Which is a really cool, like, twist to the episode, I think. Yeah. Uh, So they disappear, and I guess Maria and Light Armadillo just decide that they will, like, wait until the sun is back up. So they're gone, and uh, we shift over to Sky Camp. We're at Sky Camp, and the four Jetmen that have had their shadows... I don't know. Removed? Yeah. Yeah. They're removed, I guess. Uh, so the four Jetmen that have had their shadows removed are, like, convalescing. Because even though the shadow Jetmen are not there, like, right now, they are continuing somehow to, like, draw power from the actual Jetmen. And the Jetmen are, like, continuing to weaken. Not as quickly as they did when the Shadow Men were active, but they're still weakening. Raita is very upset with Guy that he wasn't there to help them. And Guy's Uh, just like, listen, man, like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, there like, was a quick funny in thing. This guy did not know that, like, now there are biodimensional beasts and we were about to get in a fight. He was just having a pleasant day at the pool. This is happening, and while the chief is looking at this computer screen, Maria, like, hijacks their communication. She somehow, like, projects herself onto this computer screen, and she says, It's too late. Like, I'm not going to wait around. Like, this is the end of the Jetman. So that we flash over to Maria, who was, like, walked up on top of a building. And she, like, charges up, like, an energy beam and shoots it into the sky. And when she does that, she somehow, like, pushes all the clouds away from, a, from above the city and lets the light shine down. Oh, dude, it's not just that, Dave. Because it is nighttime. Oh. She is creating a bubble of artificial sunlight around the city so that okay. the shadows can reappear. I did not realize that. I thought, because no, before yeah, it was that cloud is cover. why it is like such a major thing that she's doing. And yet Gray is watching her on the viewing screen in the Viram dimension and says that she is pushing herself way too hard. Like she is endangering herself to do this. Okay, that makes way more sense. Because I was just like, all right, she's sort of like telekinetically pushing some clouds around. Like this is not that big of a deal. But No, no, no. She is summoning a city's worth of sunlight like Ex Nihilo. <laughs> Okay, yeah, man, that's like some Forces 5, Prime 5 nonsense. Uh, so, she's doing this, and Guy, we flash back like, real quickly to Guy at Sky Camp, and he's like, I will, like, I'm going to save everybody. So he goes out on his motorcycle, and he is looking for Maria. Right, now, and- before he left, the chief said, listen, we don't know exactly, 
Well, she says two things that are completely contradictory. Because Guy says, how much more time do my teammates have before they completely get sucked of all their energy and die? And Maria says, well, it really depends on how much the Shadow Jetmen move around. And Guy says, okay, exactly one hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, well, okay, I guess that is what we have decided. Yeah, and that hour turns out to be accurate. So he is driving around on his motorcycle. He, he's looking for Maria, and he sees her, I think, is the idea. But then he is attacked by the Shadow Jetmen, like four to one. Now, you would think that this would be kind of like a very quick fight because there's four of them, but the Shadow Jetmen have not absorbed enough power from the real Jetmen yet, and Guy, of course, has not had his shadow taken away. So right, Guy so is operating So when the other Jetmen strength. were fighting their shadows, like it was an even fight because you know they were mirrored with each other, so any strength that the Shadow Jetmen had the original Jetman had lost. Right. But Guy is at full strength. So he's actually managing to like, he's not, he's not winning, but he's definitely like holding them off, right? So we go back to Sky Camp. Ryu and Raita are, they've gotten up and because, you know, Ryu loves justice and Raita's just like a stand-up dude, they're like, we have to go help. And the chief is like, guys, you really, uh, you really should not do that. You're in no condition. But they say, no, we will go and help. So they are trying to get out, and then Kaori and, and Akko are also like, we will also help. And so... I, and Akko says, like, yeah, we can't let guys steal all the credit for himself. Like, let's do this thing. See, uh, yeah, Akko, I feel like putting a brave face on it. Like, she says that, she doesn't sell it. You know oh, what no, I mean? no, no, no. She is, like, on death's door. But she's at least trying but to she's a hero. herself. She's a hero, which is rad. Uh, okay, so we flash back to this fight... And by this point, Guy has been weakened just from fighting sufficiently that the other Shadow, the shadow Jetmen have, like, grabbed onto him and are sort of, like, dragging him in front of Light Armadillo. And Light Armadillo is going to unleash his Shadow Creation attack on Guy. But the other Jetmen arrive just in time. And Guy is like, dudes, what are you doing here? You cannot help me at all. Like, you should be home resting. And they're just like, well, we can't necessarily, like, do whatever, but we can at least fight our own shadows. So what they do, and I think this is actually pretty neat, is they're not, like, fighting their shadows. They're just grabbing them. Like, that's the whole strategy is just, like, hold on to your shadow and do not let go. Right. Just grapple this guy so that they cannot then attack Guy. Right. Uh, so, like, Guy runs away. Late Armadillo, I guess, also is occupied. They never explain, actually, what he's doing. But he's not there. And yeah, he's so, chilling. <laughs> the degree to the, sh- the witch, uh, I don't feel like Die Ranger was as bad about this. Like, Jetman has a lot of <laughs> just, like, hey, where'd the monster go? Like he's just he's just gone. Like he just decided he wasn't gonna keep fighting right now. He's having a cup of tea. Like, I don't know. Maybe the monsters are all union and so like every once in a while they just need to like take a five minute break. <laughs> and like like the Byron can never complain and yell at them because they're union. They're like, well no, it's it's in his contract. It's he gets in his, his contract. Break. Uh <laughs> I just love the idea of like a unionized monster workers like local four <laughs> local four oh three. That it, it, oh man. Like I there's a national there's a union that does that. Um that would be amazing. So um So guy runs okay, up so the sorry. steps and he gets to the top of the roof where Maria is up there and she is like actively maintaining this bubble of sunlight. So guy is up on the roof, he sees Maria, and he goes to attack her. But out of nowhere, Gray jumps in front of Maria again. Now, I actually hadn't remembered this until like kind of just now, but Gray has kind of a thing for Maria. If you recall, uh, there was a part where Maria, this is a cut, this is like episodes ago, where Maria is playing the piano and Guy sort of sees it and it awakens some sort of feeling in his robo brain. Dave, when you say Guy, do you mean Gray? That's totally what I mean. Okay. So it awakens some sort of feeling in Gray's robo brain and he has a robo crush on Maria. The complicated emotions. Of yeah. an interdimensional robot. Right. Gray is also trapped in the maze of love. 
The Maze of Love. Uh, okay, so Gray defends Maria from Guy. And it's a cool sort of one-on-one fight. The sort that we don't usually get outside of big highlight episodes between one of the Viram commanders and one of the Jetmen. Yep. Uh, Gray is sort of just getting the better of Guy. He throws him off of a roof. Uh, he yeah. shoots him with his big shoulder cannon, and he is uh, trying to, like, just strangle him to death. Yeah, well, clearly Guy has also gotten a lot stronger, because I think at the beginning of this show, this fight would not have gone on this long. Uh, but he, but Gray does ultimately take him down, and yeah, I think he's just trying to choke him out. Trying to give him the Chokey Roberts? <laughs> and, uh, and Guy's just like, oh man, like, I'm losing here. I can't lose. And, and then... then- and then he does something unexpected. Yeah. He just yells, Jet Speeder! And a black motorcycle comes out of nowhere and runs into Gray. Now, I want to be very clear about something. Yeah. When Guy arrived to this fight, he was not, like, changed into Black Condor. And the motorcycle that he was riding was just, like, his regular, everyday motorcycle. He was not riding a special Jetman motorcycle. Okay. And now, I guess his motorcycle also cross-changed? Well, here's the only thing I can think of, right? So, uh, Raita has, like, his yellow Jeep, and Ryu has his, like, red dune buggy. Have we seen Guy's, like, Jetman vehicle yet? I don't... I'm sure we must have. I don't actually think that we have... Or maybe if we did, it was this. Because i that's the only thing I can think of, is that this is his, like, Jetman vehicle. Because we've never seen this thing before that At I At least recall. he's never, like, in a fight. Maybe we've yeah. seen him ride it. And we also did not know that it was called Jet Speeder. You know what? I bet there's a toy for this. And so, like, if you have the toys, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Jet Speeder. It's Guy's Motorcycle. But, like, if you only watch the show, like, they don't really mention it. You know what I'm and saying? if you remember in Die Ranger, we had a similar conversation in the episode uh, Farewell, the Three Stooges, when Guy's motor... Not Guy. Sorry. I'm still in Jetman mode. Let me switch <laughs> gears into Die Ranger. When Shoji's motorcycle um, yeah. transformed into his Die Ranger motorcycle. Yeah, I remember that. So it must be something like that. Yeah, dude. Like the uh, power, sure. like the burdonic power of the cross changer can Manages. also transform vehicles. Yeah, that sure. You know what? That makes as much sense as anything in the Super Sentai universe. Uh, okay, but jet his jet speeder attack works because it just rams into Gray. Uh, and then he manages. Guy does manages to get free enough. He shoots Maria, and this artificial bubble of daylight comes back. And the shadow jetmen disappear. At this point, Guy has managed to, like, he's completed his objective, right? But he's in pretty bad shape. He sort of, like, crawls on screen and light armadillo attacks. Yeah, because even though the shadow jetmen are gone, light armadillo is still in the mix. Yeah. Uh, And as, like, they're fighting a little bit, and then the other jetmen arrive, and they are mysteriously 100% fine now. Well, because now all of the energy that had been going into the shadows... I guess the shadows are defeated? Yeah, but I don't know how. It's just, like it doesn't seem to be any different from like why is this different from before when the shadows disappeared? Like you know, now that you mention it, I have no idea why it is different. <laughs> right, right. Because like later Armadillo is still around, so theoretically so they should still be there, uh, but they're not. Or maybe the other Jetmen are just like putting on a brave face and they're like barely hanging on. But they hang on enough that they are able to summon the fire bazooka. But they, they do a cool thing first because uh, Light Armadillo is like on top of Guy and like holding him down. And they all show up and shoot them with their uh, bird blasters. And then when Guy looks up and sort of sees them all posing, they do this cool thing where they all spin their bird blasters like on their oh, finger yeah, and holster them at the same time. Like, it was a small moment, but I liked it a lot. <laughs> um, so, Fire Bazooka, they blast 
late armadillo. He who, vaporizes. for whatever reason, elects to not turn around and just get shot in the chest. Which was, yeah, which he totally could have been fine, which we've seen before, but whatever. Uh, so he gets vaporized. He turns into giant late armadillo. And then the Jetmen do not summon Jet Icarus. They just summon Jet Garuda. Yeah, which I did cool not because see now that they have both, it's not just that they're going to summon Jet Icarus every time and Jet Garuda if they need it. Like, they now just have two weapons in their arsenal and they kind of pick and choose. Yeah, I really assumed that... Because, like, you know, we've seen this in other shows, uh, but that the other robot kind of is, like, exists as a supplementary to the primary robot. But that, I guess, is not the case. They're just like, yeah, Jet Garuda, let's do it, which was cool. So, uh, Jet Garuda wins. Like, he does, like, a Garuda kick, and then he does, like, a slashy claw attack, which I thought was cool, because you may remember that Jet Garuda doesn't have hands. He's got, like, giant robo-talons, because he's more kind of birdish. Yeah, and, like, the robo... He does a thing where, like, the robo-talons glow, and he swipes them both in front of each other to make sort of, like, an X-shaped slash with yeah, energy, cool. and it blows the dude up. It's it's a cool look. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we... So, so Light Armadillo goes down... We go to the Viram dimension, and we see a shot of Gray carrying Maria. And in the foreground of this shot is just an old-timey street lamp? Yes. Uh, For whatever reason, there is an old-timey street lamp in the Viram dimension. Yeah. Um, I j- For, <laughs> like, you know, sort of vague aesthetic reasons. I, I guess, man. Uh, so, we hear the same piano music that we heard, like, those couple episodes ago that Maria was pray- playing that Grey sort of, like, falls in love with, like, Robo falls in love with. And she's like, why did you help me? Like, what's going on? Because remember, the Viram Dimension leader, the Viram Dim- commanders are, uh, are in competition. They don't actually like each other. Like, they all hate Radigat, but they're not, like, pals. Right. And guys, like, listen, you tried your best today. Like, you really gave it your all. I'm not going to let the others make fun of you. Right. Do you mean gray, Matt? Did I say guy? You did. You have infected me with this. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So gray's like, he kind of plays it off. And she's like, but why? And he says, I just wanted to give you your handkerchief back. And he, like, gives her the handkerchief that she wrapped his hand up with. And then. The handkerchief, by the way, is immaculate. Like, yeah, I'm not whatever really sure. robo-blood was supposed to be coming out of his hand is not on that thing anymore. Yeah. So, we go from there, and we're just at the pool where the four, where uh, Ryu, Raita, uh, Kari, and Akko have walked into the pool, and they're like, Hey, Guy, where are you? And there's a flash of light, and Guy, like, peeks over his shoulder, and he's wearing a black cloak and a big black hat. And he's like, I'm a shadow person! Ha 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 ha! And they're just like, oh, guy, you scamp. And then they throw him in the pool. It's a fun moment because it's clearly just like, guy has decided like, okay, these dudes had a bad day with this like light flashy thing and these shadow things. I am going to like pull this fun like little prank on them. Yeah, it's like, actually it's just a kind nice of a nice guy moment. moment. Yeah. And like then he went it. out of his way to find, like, a big black floppy hat and a cloak. Oh, yeah. Like, these are not items that Guy just had sitting around. Like, when I said cloak, I wasn't kidding. Like, it's just a big black opera cape. Uh, the, the thing that really strikes me in this scene is that the thing that Guy uses to make the big flash of light is a disposable camera. <laughs> which is just such a 1991-92 thing to have. Yeah, uh, every once in a while I see one around still and it kind of weirds me out. Like, Do they still the... make them? Yeah, they still make them. No way. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I think I, that's I it, man. I literally cannot tell you the last time I saw a disposable camera. I, I see them at like weddings is where I'll see them. Oh, okay. I'll, they'll like, put them out on tables like, everybody take pictures. Everyone nice. take bad pictures. With this crappy camera. Uh, so that's it for this episode of Trojan Sentai Jetman. What, Matt, was your uh, high point of the week? Dude, my high point of the week has got to be the Shadow Jetman. Yeah. Like, it was such That's a cool look. And such a, like, the, the fights between the Jetman and the Shadow Jetman were really well executed. I liked it a lot. Yeah, they, they were well executed. The costuming was super cool. The attention to detail that they made, like, Black Bringer Swords and Black Wing Gauntlets and Black Bird Blasters, like... It was just really rad. Um, oh, and at one point, uh, Shadow Ryu and regular Ryu punch each other in the fists, each wearing the wing gauntlet, and there's like this big fiery explosion. It's great. 
Yeah, man. I'm actually having kind of a hard time coming up with a sh- with a high point that isn't that. Um, oh, you know what? My high point is just the introduction of the biodimensional beasts. They're super cool. Yeah, like last episode, the Jetman got like a new giant robot. The Jetman had started living that hashtag up your game lifestyle. Right. And now the Vironbrook, oh, it is now a time for us to escalate as well. And so now that we're moving into the second half of the season, like everyone's up to their game. And now it's just like multiple giant robots versus Mega Man X monsters. And it's sweet. Yeah, it's just like a really cool twist on the idea of the dimensional monsters. Uh, What, man, is your uh, low point of the week? Ooh, man, honestly, it's kind of tough to pick a low point this I week. I know, it was a really, really good episode, man. Uh, know, I'm comfortable skipping the low points this week. I like I this episode say, a lot. This was solid. I don't have anything to complain about for this one. So uh, so that's it for this episode of the Super Sentai Brothers. Yep, that is going to do it for another episode of the Jetman with a Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all, you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and I hope you do, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Thank you if you are one of the people who have done that. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.